0: You just don't really look like the kind of guy who has to meet girls over the internet. (laughs) My name is Dylan Shapiro, and this is my first podcast for My Video Heaven. My Video Heaven tends to talk about horror and maybe express some unpopular opinions, but I just like to um, change some of the ideas and viewpoints around watching horror and around what horror is and what horror stands for and how vast the genre is and how much it envelops. This particular series, however, will just focus on revenge films. And after that, I might move on to some other genres if it does well. I also wanted to add a disclaimer. The film that I discussed today is about and shows pretty graphic depictions of child abuse. If that's something that's difficult for you to watch on screen, I would avoid this film. I know that for myself personally, it's very difficult for me to watch children get hurt on screen, even though I know it's fictional, even when I see it in horror, even though I'm a big horror fan, it's still very difficult for me to watch sometimes. So please avoid this one if that's something that is going to be difficult for you to see. Also, this review is heavily, heavily filled with spoilers. I just reveal the whole movie. If you haven't seen it yet and you still want to see it, I would watch that before you listen to my podcast. If you want to read more of what I've written, you can find me at myvideoheaven.com. So today I want to talk about Hard Candy, which is one of my favorite revenge horror films starring Ellen Page and Patrick Wilson. It came out in 2006, which is when I was 14 and when the lead character, played by Ellen Page, was also 14. It was incredibly influential to me. In fact... The main character, Haley Stark, played by Ellen Page, wears a red sweater from American Apparel, or as my dad would call it, American Apparel. Actually, right after I saw the film, I was so in love with Ellen Page's character and her ferocity that I sought out her red sweater that she wore in the film and found out the brand, like I said, it's American Apparel. I asked the people on the IMDB boards where she got that sweater. They said American Apparel. I I found it, got it in my size and wore it every day, so much so that it had holes in it and was falling apart and disintegrating. I had multiple over the years actually, but I called it my lucky sweater. And she becomes this red hooded, um, almost Little Red Riding Hood-esque child vigilante where she enacts revenge against a pedophile and an unconvicted abductor of young girls. So Hard Candy is about a young girl, Haley, 14, who meets Jeff, uh, a man in his 40s, on the internet. Ultimately, she gives him his just desserts for being a creep and a pedophile and a predator against children and young women. It, it starts off, well, the first thing I noticed is that um, Patrick Wilson actually got the first billing in this movie. Kind of reminded me of when I recently rewatched Mulholland Drive, which is one of my favorite films ever. And Justin Theroux got first billing. So I just want to say that's, that's not good, that's not right. Ellen Page should have gotten first billing in this one. Anyway, Haley meets Jeff on an internet chat room, and her username is thonggirl 14 the 14 indicating that she's 14 years old. His username is lensman319, which you find out later is an important number. And uh, they have illicit chat room talk uh, that's highly inappropriate given how young she is and how old he is. Jeff, or Lensman319, is a photographer. He shoots underage models, which um, we find out later. He, he does more than, than take their picture. He is definitely um, a danger to young women. Haley and Jeff decide to meet at a coffee shop through Haley's suggestion. When we first meet Jeff, we see him kind of eyeing Haley eating this chocolate cake, and then she asks him if he wants to try it and he just wipes some off of her lip and tastes it that way and you just know and you just get the worst pit in your stomach because it's just disgusting. And he's like a thousand years old with, with a with a minor. So he instantly looks creepy just, just as you, I mean, you, it's bad vibe city. As Haley and... Jeff kind of talked to each other that first time with their first meetup, and it will be their only meetup. Jeff says, when you work as a photographer, you find out real quick people's faces lie. And Haley says, does my face lie? And you kind of, at this point in the film, you have no idea what she's got up her sleeve because she just looks so innocent and unassuming You would never guess that ultimately she ends up bringing him to his very, very just demise. So when she says, does my face lie? He says, I look at those eyes and I see a girl who reads Zadie Smith, who listens to John Mayer and Coldplay, who loves Monty Python episodes and who desperately, madly, deeply wants, needs, longs for more chocolate like he's just a complete ass like also it's it's he's just so remarkably stupid and creepy and um Patrick Wilson is so convincing in this role which is the first role that I actually saw him in that I've I've been unable to watch him without thinking of this ever since then so that was inter- that was so that was in 2006. It's 2020 now, and I'm still creeped the fuck out by Patrick Wilson. I really think he played this character too well. I don't fault him for that, but it, it truly was just so unnerving. Um, anyway, she says that he has an excellent, excellent judge of character after he gave her the most basic analysis of, of, her, uh, of her personality. And it's great to see how easily she manipulated him and in knowing what what ultimately ends up happening to him in your, like, second or third time watching this, you really appreciate how he just fell into her trap. And you you just really root for her. And it, it's just, it becomes such a, I feel like, Everyone, and I'm I'm a, a non-violent person, I'm a pacifist, I feel like everyone's had a fantasy of just ruining a pedophile or ruining anyone who presents any danger to children. Um, I certainly don't feel that they need any mercy at all, and she did not show him any. So what's cool about the way Patrick Wilson played... Jeff is that he's incredibly human he is friendly he has a nice smile he is charismatic and charming and he's also a pedophile he is a human and that's what we need to remember and I feel like the movie did that really well that these people are around us these people are human and some of them can be so convincing that they're good people that none of us will ever know. And that, that, that to me is true horror. Moreover, with my own personal issues, watching um, children get hurt on screen, that that's my one thing that I struggle with as a horror fan. It's difficult to see the reality and prevalence of sexual predators, pedophiles and people who hurt children and to see it portrayed so well on film. So a little bit later in the scene, Jeff spots Haley's book bag, asks her what's in there. And she says, just books and stuff. During that same scene, the camera pans to a flyer for a missing girl, Donna Maurer. And we find out more about her later. And then Haley says, I'm reading this book about Jean Seberg. She's this actress who slept with all the wrong people and ended up killing herself. And what's funny about that line that I didn't notice until my most recent time viewing this film, and I've seen it uh, several times because I'm a big fan, is that she says exactly what ultimately ends up happening to Jeff's character. He slept with all the wrong people, AKA he raped young girls, And he ended up killing himself. It's incredibly poetic. And all the more impactful when you actually do get to the end of the film. In the same scene, Jeff spots Haley's medical book. It's a big blue book. And she says, oh, my dad is letting me audit one of his med school courses. To that, Jeff says, oh, to those guys in in grad school hit on you. She says, they wouldn't hit on a 14-year-old girl. They're, like, old enough to be my dad, so... And then she feigned guilt at saying something so disrespectful to Jeff, who is absolutely old enough to be her dad and is completely abusing his power, crossing boundaries, and doing things no grown man should ever do with any child. He also says, you look older and act older than you are. She acts like she's happy about that. That line's in there because that's just the, the classic predator line. You look and act older than you are. Later in the film, Haley says in more or less words, but I'm not older than I am and I shouldn't be doing the things that you force girls to do. because a girl knows how to imitate a woman does not mean she's ready to do what a woman does another great little bit of foreshadowing in this scene haley just throws out there four out of five doctors agree i'm insane i love it and i i think it's so cute when she says it and you wouldn't think twice about it also the fact that her character's mystique is is never really um is never really broken down, you really don't ever find out who she really is. You don't know anything about her. You don't know all that much about what she's actually done, who she's actually killed. It's a jarring, jarring line when you take into account the rest of the film and the things that she did to Jeff. Deservedly, I'll say. So after they talk in the coffee shop for a while, Haley convinces Jeff to take her to his house. He doesn't think it's a great idea, so she does everything she can to convince him. He pretends like he cares about not crossing boundaries when you clearly know that a man like this doesn't give a shit about crossing boundaries, about about crossing boundaries, about being inappropriate with a child or harming a child they discuss this band goldfrap who i'm never gonna listen to because of this because it's pedophile music anyway he went to a goldfrap concert said that he recorded um their music and that he has it at home and she said oh please jeff let me listen to it you know i love goldfrap and and it's said later in the film anyway that all of his interests were only ones that she had shown any interest in. He completely took anything that she said, researched it, and became an expert on it. So she convinces him to to let him come over to his house so that he can show her the Goldfrap concert. When they get to his house, you see that he's very well off. Like I said, he he is a photographer. He shoots models, makes you realize that he's a well-known guy, makes you also think about how many people know that he is a predator, how many people know he's a pedophile, and how many people protect him. Just on a tangent, I think anyone who protects a pedophile, doesn't report, doesn't help the children in any way that they can, that are being hurt is just as culpable as the as the pedophile themselves. So, this is a well-known guy. It just makes you think that there are people, aside from the children, who know what he's done. So, in the scene where they're at his house, he brings her a glass of water. She said that she didn't want to drink what he made her, so she'd whip up something more fun to drink. You don't want to drink anything you didn't mix yourself, she tells him. So, She goes to the kitchen, makes a screwdriver. I think that's vodka and orange juice. I don't drink, so I think that's what it was. And she gets him incredibly drunk. And the discussion starts to get a little bit darker. You start to get more of a look into uh, Haley's actual motives here. The roles kind of flip-flop on you. She becomes the one with power. He becomes more and more drunk. You see that she drugged him. And little by little, he's becoming less coherent. uh, Less able to stand up. He gets angry. There are a bunch of models that he shot in his house. Because his house is in a studio. Another thing? That's just fucking suspect. And these models are underage. And she comments that there's you know, models' pictures on the wall. A little bit later, they make a toast. They toast their screwdrivers, clink the cups, and she says, Carpe Omnius, which means take it all. And I feel like it's just a beautiful exchange of power dynamics, which makes it such a an awesome fantasy as far as overpowering the villain and taking everything from him. Carpe omnius. What's that? Well, that's my own little toast. You know, carpe diem, obviously. Seize the day. So I figure, carpe (laughs) omnius. Take it all? Take it all. So, as they talk more, She asks how many of the underage models he slept with, and he says none, because then I'd be arrested. It's really important that he says none, because I'd be arrested, and not none, because it's unethical. None, because I'm not attracted to children. His verbiage is so telling. He did, however, mention a woman that he slept with when they were both younger, Janelle. I'm not sure what that means when he says they were both younger. Does that mean that He was 18 and she was still a minor. I don't know. That part was probably purposefully left unclear, although I wouldn't put it past him to have uh, been sleeping with minors since he he was a little bit younger himself. So the full revenge sequence starts at 21 minutes in. Haley even says playtime is over and she ties him up. Playtime is over. Now it's time to wake up. He makes some kind of crude sexual joke about how he wishes he could tie her up. Clearly not seeing the severity of the situation. And laughing. Laughing at the ridiculousness of a young girl taking him captive. When you find out later, he's done the exact opposite. With her medical textbook, she's prepared him for a surgical castration. So she mars him forever, ruins his reputation, ruins his weapon, per se, and his view of self and identity, and also his ego, where that's completely connected and wrapped up in. She does the whole thing, has it on video while she does it. It's interesting during this scene because... He says he'll do anything. He'll even go to the police as long as she doesn't castrate him. Even though he's a very human character and he's acting as if he'll do the right thing, you really see where his priorities are. That that's his limit. So um, at one point he says, is this some teenage joke? She says, teenage? Yes. Joke? No. No. I love that line. A little bit later, you find out, if you remember the scene earlier in the coffee shop where it panned to the flyer of the missing child, Donna Maurer. Later, Haley finds pictures of Donna in Jeff's safe. Also, 319, he's Lensman 319. That was the code for the safe, and that was the day either he first had sex with Janelle, his, his ex-girlfriend, the one that he slept with when they were both younger, or their first date. You don't really know. That's unclear. So we find that he is linked to the missing girl, and you just feel a pit in your stomach. You feel sick. There's parts of the film where he's so convincing that he didn't do anything wrong, and it's so difficult. It was so difficult for Haley to find Actual tangible evidence against him. That you're like. You start to doubt yourself. Anyway, so. 319 unlocked the safe. And then Haley found pictures of. The girl whose picture we saw. On the missing flyer at the coffee shop. Donna Maurer. And then you know for sure that he's connected to the crime even though it was very difficult to find any tangible evidence in his house against him because it was all so well hidden because he's a mastermind as many of them are like I said many of these people are hidden in our society many of these people are protected by other members of their community I feel like that point was pretty clear that points pretty realistic Another thing that makes him, as an abuser, as a pedophile, as a toxic human and a predator, he tells his own childhood abuse story, which is not uncommon for predators to have. It's like his pitiful attempt at relating to her, maybe because he was hurt like she was hurt, almost erasing his part and hurting her, hurting other kids. But she basically says it doesn't matter. That's not an excuse to hurt others. You know, you told that, uh, that Aunt Denise story very well. Very, very well. What was it supposed to be? Some kind of magic key to explain why you are the way you are? doesn't Then we find out later that whole castration scene was all fabricated when he was watching it being done on camera it was actually just a VHS tape from a medical class and it's incredible how much the power of suggestion i think she used eggs to uh simulate testicles so uh you really see how convincing she was to, to scare him into submission. Ultimately, she, um, she, ends up, she ends up writing a confession on his laptop and impersonating an FBI agent, contacting his girlfriend Janelle and telling her to come straight over to the house, to Jeff's house. And then she gives him an ultimatum because Jeff has this, because Jeff doesn't want his reputation tarnished, especially, especially in the eyes of this woman. She says that he can either wait for Janelle. She'll find the confession. She'll find him in this incriminating situation with a young girl at his house, or he can kill himself. She tied a noose for him. For him to throw himself off of the roof. Within the last few minutes of the film. He says I didn't kill Donna Maurer. I just watched. The other guy did it. And then Haley says. That's funny. Because Aaron. That was the other guy's name. Said the exact same thing about you. Moments later. She forced him to. Commit suicide. So yeah, I feel like it's a I feel like it's a movie that really makes you feel satisfied even if you're a non-violent person like I am. I feel like everyone's had these kinds of violent fantasies against abusers and pedophiles and and people who hurt others, especially children, especially children. Um and I just think that this is what makes it The ultimate revenge fantasy. The ultimate horror. The ultimate true horror. And uh, I saw it as a kid. It hasn't left my mind in many years. It's one of my all-time favorites. And I highly recommend it for anyone who wants to see a powerful, girl-fronted, specifically... Queer girl-fronted Ellen Page is queer in real life, an incredible icon, a revenge fantasy film in the horror spectrum. And I also wanted to say that if any of you have heard or hear from a child that they're in danger, they're scared of someone, someone makes them uncomfortable, um, pushes their boundaries... Please report it. Please don't wait. It's incredibly important for us to protect our children. And uh, also, if you're looking for a another very uncomfortable film with Ellen Page, I highly recommend An American Crime. That one also has incredibly graphic child abuse based on a true case from Indiana uh, about Sylvia Likens and Gertrude Banaszewski, a very disturbing child abuse case. So I would recommend that if you have a strong stomach and enjoy um, the work of Ellen Page. Anyway, this has been my little assessment of Hard Candy. Childhood favorite of mine, you know. I hope you check out Hard Candy if you haven't already. It's just such a classic. Really killer revenge film, and if there's any other thoughts you have about it, I'd love to hear them. Or any other horror films, revenge horror films that you think I'd like, please send them my way. You can look for me on Instagram at my myvideoheaven. And I hope you all have a great night or day. Okay, no. One last thing I wanted to say is that given the serious subject matter that we talked about today, I wanted to just raise some awareness about the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. You can reach out to them at thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-SAFE. Whether it's physical or sexual abuse towards yourself or your child, or if you know about a predator and you want to reach out to someone, you can contact them and they'll give you some resources. So thank you for listening and I hope you're all staying safe out there.